Blog Talk Radio. Please stand by. We're having some technical difficulties. Thank you. Just having some technical difficulties, if you can bear with us. having some technical difficulties with people trying to get through but if you want to if you want to uh leave me your your number and uh i will be happy to happy to give you that the number to call is one six four six 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 eight two zero nine three so And anyway, tonight we are going to be talking about the plan of God for your life and how to find it. And uh, my co-host is trying to get online, but um, the phones are having a hard time working. So um, if you want to try and say, Adam, Adam, you can try and say something, but this is Fire Talk Radio, and we're coming to you live. And we would, um, I am sorry about the technical difficulties. If you could still stand by, if you could stand by. From what I understand, you can hear me, but I can't, I, I can't hear y'all actually. Um, but I don't know what's going on with the switchboard, but. Okay, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stop the show. I'm going to end the call. I mean, I'm going to end the show and then I'm going to come back. (coughs) Excuse me.
<coughs> Sorry, people, for coughing in your ear. And we will be back momentarily. I hope. Hello, Adam, is that you? I'm here. Hi, you how are you? We had some problems for about almost half an hour. Hi, everybody. We could try and see if we could edit it to start it out here. We're on okay. live can right can now on the air. Yes, we're live right now. All right. We're okay, live so right li- now. Okay, so everyone listening, thank you so much for your patience. Um, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. Um, some technical issues. Welcome to the world of technology. <laughs> But uh, anyway, <laughs> tonight we're talking about tonight we're talking about the will of God, uh, the known will, the unknown will, and finding the perfect plan of God for your life. Around ten, ten fifteen, I'll give the notification. We'll be taking in callers for people that uh, want to take prayer requests, have questions, things of that nature, and uh, just uh, be. We're, it's going to be great. And uh, so, Deborah, regarding the will of God, do you have any you have any scriptures for that? Yes, I was thinking about, um, I've been uh, going on here um, with John 10, 10, and, um, you know, a lot of people, I was talking to some people, uh, I was talking to somebody about the show, actually, that we did last night on love and salvation and everything like that, and um, I was talking to them, and 
they said sometimes they're giving their feedback and they said a lot of times people have um, issues, you know, believing that, that God loves them. And uh, because especially if some things that may have happened in their lives or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and they said that sometimes that they were mad at God, that they had been mad themselves and also they were helping to, I guess, for lack of a better word, quote, unquote, counsel um, somebody that's uh, somebody who's, um, you know, who who had a lot of st- stuff going on and that they were, they were, they were mad at God because these bad things happened. And so, um, you know, I, I, I immediately thought of, uh, John, John 10, 10, and I'm going to read it in just a second. Excuse me. In John 10, 10, it reads, the thief only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that that they may have life and have it to the full. So that's uh, John 10, 10, and you know, it makes me think of how a lot of things happen to people that may be bad or have happened because, um, you know, it's it's really not a matter of, of what, uh, it's not God's fault, basically, because the thief came, Satan came to kill, that's, it, that's his mission statement, to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but Jesus came so that we could have a life and have that life more abundantly to the full. Back to you, Adam. Okay, yeah. You're still there. Oh, (laughs) I was checking with everything going on. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so with that being said, it's like, so the devil has a plan, and a lot of times uh, people, because of misunderstanding, whatever the case may be, uh, regarding how to actually get the plan of God for your life, they tend to blame God for, you know, all the bad things that happen in their life. Well, because there's there's thing the bad thing. First of all, understand we live on planet Earth, and there's always going to be bad things that are going to happen. In fact, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The Bible says that you know rejoice because I have overcome the world. He says in this world you'll have many tribulations, but rejoice for I have overcome the world. So to think that as Christians life is going to get easier, that's actually a huge misunderstanding. And I really feel for preachers that preach that on Judgment Day because they're actually setting people up for disappointment and offense because, uh, you know, Paul talks about how he's been shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, you know, you name it. So we are, we're in a world that's openly hostile towards what we believe. And uh, to understand that if you're, as a Christian, life's going to get hard sometimes. We're in a war, and it's, uh, it's not easy. Nobody goes into the Army expecting, you know, to get a lounge chair and uh, and some silk pajamas that they get to hang out in. They go into the army knowing that it's the army too. Um, so so with that being said, um, so that, so we talk about the now on the flip side of it, a lot of people don't know how to find the will of God for their lives, and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. You know, just understand that the, the first major key to getting the will of God for your life is knowing God. The Bible is very clear that those that know their God will do great exploits. And uh, one of the scriptures that you, uh, one of the scriptures that you had in mind was Jeremiah 29, where it talks about, "For I know the plans I have for you." Talk to me a little bit more about that, Deborah. Well, you know, in in uh, Jeremiah, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's another one that that came to mind was was in Jeremiah, 
uh, Jeremiah 29:11, and uh, it speaks of, it says, uh, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And, um, you know, it makes me think of, like, I mean, those are God's plans, and that, that actually, that you can bounce Jeremiah 29:11 off of uh, John 10:10, 10, 10, really, because, uh, you know, with um, that being the, the enemy's, um, that being his mission statement, and then, you know, Jesus' mission statement was to come back and to, to bring that life for us. And, um, you know, because it's like if you read them together, it says uh, the, thief come o- the, the thief comes only to kill, I mean, only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And in Jeremiah 20:11, when you read them both together, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, God God sent Jesus and, and God sent him to us to to buy back, you know, to, to pay for us with his blood. And his plans for us are perfect. Before he knew us, in, you know, before we were formed in the womb, he knew us. And... And so for him, his plans are awesome. His plans are awesome for us because it would be like any father that, you know, or anybody that likes to bless somebody that they love and that means something to them with something good. They have a good plan for their life or they plan a nice vacation for them or they just plan something really nice, whether it's, you know, taking them to a restaurant or just on a cruise, just whatever it is. But they make plans and all of that. And those are good plans because they love that person. And those are God's, God's plans. It's, it's, it's for good and not to harm you. It says in here, it's not to harm you. And and basically that right there is, is it does, that right there proves that bad things that happen to people are not God's fault. Because if they were God's fault, and he would not have put this in here. He would not have said, I know the plans I have for you. I have for you are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The devil is a liar. God does not want to harm you. God does not harm you. He's nothing but good. He's nothing but good. He's been nothing but good. His plans aren't to harm you ever. He's, he, that's the devil's plans. The devil's a liar. It says right here in black and white, harm, I, not to harm you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The devil's a liar. He's the one that has plans to harm you. And Adam, back to you. Yeah, so, and that's absolutely true. So you understand that, first of all, even as a Christian, um, that the, when the trials come your way, they're not from God. Uh, that's the huge thing. However, what you must also understand is that God actually allows those trials to come in. Even though the devil intends these things for our harm, God allows those things to come for the purpose of refining and, and shaping us. The Bible says that he refines us with, with a fire. That fire is, is in the form of trials and afflictions. 
And uh, and the Bible the Bible says, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. So there's so understand the if you are not going through any kind of trials, if you're not going through any kind of pressures, if you're not going through any kind of hardships, check yourself because that's the only way we get refined into the image of Christ. So you know the Bible talks about how even if the rulers of this world had known that by crucifying Christ that they would brought about a redemption for mankind, they never would have did it. So the devil's intent is always to destroy. But if, and, and understand, God never gives us anything that we can't handle. So if it's a trial that we can't handle, if it's an attack that we can't handle, God will block it. But if, there's a, if, if, it's not, if the trial's not coming because of sin and because of disobedience, if you know you're walking with Jesus and you're living for Jesus, then understand that more than likely it's a trial that's been allowed for the purpose of your growth. And, um, and, that's, and, that's, and that's very, very key to fulfilling the plan of God for your life. You know, um, briefly, I just want to touch on, you know, the story of Joseph. Uh, we're not, I'm going to go in for the sake of time. I'm not going to read through it. But basically, just to break down the whole story is Joseph, he's this guy, and he has a dream from God, like many people listening do. He had a dream from God, and then he tells his brothers, who didn't like him very much about the dream, they get jealous, and they decide to throw him into a pit. And then they decide, well, you know what, we're not going to kill him. Let's make some money off him. Let's sell him into slavery. They sell him into slavery, and so now he's a slave, but he stays faithful to God. He stays free from offense. He stays free from bitterness, and then he winds up becoming ruler over Potiphar's house, his, his master's house. Then the master's wife decides that she thinks Joseph's a good-looking guy, wants to get with him, and uh, she keeps seducing him, and finally he runs away, and, and she, she grabs hold of him, and then he runs away, and she, and she cries rape, and he winds up getting thrown into a prison to get more trials, get more hardships. So understand something. Sometimes when you obey God, things will get worse, not better. In the long run, things will be better. And initially, it's gonna, it could get worse. Um, Joseph spent 14 years from the time that he got sold, sold into slavery. Uh, the end of the, end of the story is he's, he's in prison. Um, some people begin to have dreams of their own, and he begins, and God gives him the ability to interpret those dreams. Then Pharaoh begins to have dreams about a famine that's coming, and Joseph and, and these and these guys that he interpreted the dreams for in prison, one of them gets out of prison and gets restored to his position in Pharaoh's, in, in Pharaoh's camp, tells Pharaoh about this guy in prison that, that can interpret dreams. They drag Joseph before him. Joseph interprets his dream, and Joseph winds up, because of the wisdom of God, second in command over all Egypt. And basically what, what happens is the wisdom that God gives Joseph enables them to save up enough food to survive this famine that's coming. And then what happens is the, his brothers wind up coming to him to get food, not even knowing that it's really him. And then he, when he finally reveals that it's him, this is what he tells them that's so powerful. These brothers that sold him into slavery, he tells them, do not be angry at yourselves for what you did because God brought me here to preserve life. So that doesn't make sense. His, 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 God didn't bring him there. These, these brothers did it. Well, no, these brothers intended evil, just like the devil intends evil for us. But God worked it out. As long as Joseph stayed obedient, God worked it out to bring about the plan. So there's no devil, there's no person that can bring you out of the will of God but you. So understand, if you're obeying God and you're seeking God, then it, guess what? You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through hardships. But if you stay faithful and you stay obedient and you stay free from bitterness, then God is going to use the, and God is going to use those trials to refine you and bring you out. Deborah. Yeah, you know that's that's really good because I mean he 
he stayed in the will of, of, of he stayed in God's perfect will, and he he ran from from Potiphar's wife. And fact that says that she grabbed him, and he ran out of the house naked. That's how, how much he wanted to stay here. I mean, he's going to just run out of the house without any clothes on because he wanted to stay here with the Lord and and righteous and. Everything he did was was you know it it was for the right reason it was for the right thing and and still he had all this stuff just just thrown at him that he he was you know he just he he was a man of character and and he did he did the right thing all the time and uh, and then you know that makes me think of of um, Saul you know. Saul was supposed to do a lot of things uh, that that God told him to do, but he chose to to um, to to uh, he chose to do his own thing, and he chose to he chose to disobey God and do his own will, so that God, you know, he ended up losing the kingdom. And his choices that he made ended up losing him not only his kingdom, but but also opened the door for an evil spirit to come into his life. And a lot of times when people say that bad things happen, why does God allow bad things to happen to them? And then they get mad at God. And really it's not God's fault because basically Adam sinned with Eve when they when they ate the apple in the garden and they turned the garden they 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 just sold out and they they sinned and then that gave the devil full reign into with now he is the god of this world god let me emphasize a little g not a capital g because he never deserves a capital g or a capital d even if it's devil and it's bad grammar so the thing is it's like he adam gave with their sin that gave Satan control of this world. And so sin entered. And when sin enters, entered the world, that opened the door for bad stuff to happen. It was never God's intention for any bad stuff to happen to anybody. All in Genesis, the book of Genesis, Genesis, when he made the world, he, he made everything. He saw it and saw that it was good good so with with satan becoming the god of this world that is how bad things happen because that you know with when when saul opened the door to the enemy that allowed the bad the the evil spirit to come upon him and then when uh nothing joseph didn't do anything wrong but the influence i mean sin is what basically ends up it, if it's somebody, if it, it, if it, say something bad happened to you, like somebody beat you up or whatever, and you had nothing to do with it, you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden somebody came out and started beating you up or, or robbing you or something, that is really not your fault at all. But sin opened the door, not in your life, but in somebody else's life, opened the door in their life so that they, in turn, went out and did something against you. So in essence, it, it all, it all, and it, 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 its root is sin. And, but, you know, 
Satan's been served notice by Jesus. He's on a short lease and leash because his time is running out. You know, because Jesus, when he was born, and then he, he, he served his purpose in the earth, he was without sin. He was tempted in every way but without sin. And then he was the only one that was perfect, the spotless lamb without blemish, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And when he got up on that, and when he was crucified, went through all that stuff for you and for me. And then when he rose again, glory, hallelujah, on the third day, when, you know, he ascended into hell and he took the keys from Satan, a death and hell and, and the power of death and, and, and the power of the grave and, he, his time limit is, is almost nearing out. And, you know, Adam, I think that's really basically why he's, he's tightening. He's trying to push and shove things more, get his agenda going, because he knows his time is running short. And, you know, I, I know this isn't biblical, but I like to look at a little illustration that when Jesus went into hell and he, and he took the authority back, from Satan and said, hey, you're, it's, it's my authority. I'm taking it back. He didn't ask him for it back. He took it back. And then he put a time watch on his wrist and said, look at this. And remember, bub, you're going to hell in a lake of fire pretty soon. Adam, back to you. And uh, amen. And well, the Bible does say that, um, that he that the devil's angry because he knows his time is short. It talks about that in the book of Revelations. That's absolutely true, and um, we, we're we're seeing and we're seeing um, a, an intensity, uh, an increase in persecution. You know, and persecution. You know, it's safe to say will come to these shores pretty. You know, of, uh, you know, with probably you know easy to say within the next five ten years. You know, we can expect that. So the start. So the time is short, and that's again why we have to be strengthened now. And so if we get this idea that Christianity is this uh, cakewalk all about blessing, it is about blessing, And God's in, but at the same time, God will bless you, but at the same time, there are trials, there are persecution, all the godly in, in Christ will be persecuted. So just understanding that principle right there is very, very key to fulfilling the God, plan of God for your life, because otherwise you'll get offended with God, and uh, that will take you out. Now, with all this said, we're, we're talking about how God works despite what the devil does. So we're talking about a little bit about how the sovereignty of God kind of fits into this. Um, and regarding and regarding your trials and tribulations, here's another reason for the trials and tribulations. I'm going to read this from Romans. And it's Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to start with verse 3, verse 2, and it says, Through whom we have also had our access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh steadfastness, and steadfastness is provenness, and approvedness hope, and hope put us not to shame, because the love of God hath been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost which was given to us. So right there is saying that we don't rejoice in the good things, we don't just rejoice in the blessing, we rejoice in the hope that's to come. You know, if you look in the story of Israel, I'm sure most people, uh, if you're Christians here, read the book of Exodus, but basically all you see Israel doing throughout the entire time in the wilderness, which is what, a place of trial, is they just keep crying out it was better for us back in Egypt. And I'm telling you right now, that it's that complaining, it's that mindset that kept them from entering into the promised land. Because the, they, they only wanted the blessings, whereas Moses was different. Moses, when God, God tests him and tells him, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to send an angel and drive out the inhabitants of the promised land, but then he tells him, but I'm not going with you. 
And Moses says, well, God, if you don't go with us, then don't take us out of this place. So Moses would rather have the presence of God in the middle of a fiery desert, you know, as opposed to the promised land without, whereas Israel was different. Israel would, would rather have the blessing without God than the desert with God. So ultimately God has to be our treasure, you know, in this life because our, our reward ultimately is not on this earth. And that's what we have to grab. And that's unfortunately where some of the modern-day prosperity teachings got off, that we do believe in the blessing of God. It's gotten to be almost like our reward is in, most, in this life. And, you know, where's my Porsche? You know, and it's not really, and it's not about that. It's, it's about if, God, if that happens, that's awesome. We're believing for those things. But what happens if the Porsche goes? Are you going to get bitter towards God? Just understand that you will, that there are trials and afflictions in this life, and those, and those trials are for the perfecting in the image of Christ. And without trials, you will not be perfected into the image of Christ. So with that being said, um, I, not that I really want to go through trials, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And um, so with that being said, I want to read this other scripture that talks about the sovereignty of God. And it says... That and I this is in Ecclesiastes three eighteen. It says that which has already been, and that which is already, and that which is already, that which is, sorry, that which is has already been, and what is has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. So God knows the end from the beginning according to the scripture. So in the mind of God, what is has already been, and what's already to come, it's already been in the mind of God. He knows the end from the beginning. But when he when we stand before him, he, we have to give an account of what is past. So we're going to, so we've, under, we've already talked about how like it's the trials that refine us to be able to prepare for it to be refined to the image of God. Now I want to talk a little bit about the specific mm-hmm. plan of God for our lives. And this is what the Bible says. This is Psalms 16. It says, Thine eyes did see my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, even the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. So in heaven... With the way, with the blueprint of how your life is supposed to go, and when we stand before Him, we'll be held accountable for whether or not our life followed that plan. And so now, how do we find the plan of God? Well, going back to the scripture that Deborah originally brought up, Jeremiah twenty. It's in Jeremiah twenty nine. Says, "For I know the plans I have for you." Well, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, "If you seek Me, you will find Me when you search for Me with all your heart." Everyone likes to rejoice in the plan of God. Oh, God's got a plan for me. But there's a key to that, and the key is that we have to seek him. We have to seek him diligently. In chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And if you look at that scripture, Jeremiah, it's not a casual, leisurely, I hope it get, I get it kind of thinking. It's a, it's a diligent, I'm desperate to find God, I'm going to seek him until I find it kind of thinking. And when you find him, and out of the relationship, then you will find the plan of God. The Bible says that no, those that know their God will do great exploits. So... It's always, always, always about the relationship. It's not working about a formula. You know, many times in the church we've replaced a relationship with God with our seven steps to the Holy Spirit, our four steps to prosperity, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We've turned into these formulas, but God cannot be worked out in a formula. It's always about the relationship. And so and if, but the number one thing in our walk is that also I press on towards the high call of the, in Christ Jesus. What is the high call? It's to know him mentally. Paul says that I consider all things done compared to knowing him. So you might if you're, you might be called, and a lot of times when God, people have dreams, they get their, their their idol becomes the dream rather than just knowing Jesus. You know, I remember um, years ago I worked at uh, I worked at Wendy's. That was like my first job, and you can tell it's been a while. 
And uh, I told God that when I was working at Wendy's that, God, if this is all I ever do, I know you, that's okay. And uh, and then just and that's and that's the heart we have to keep even once we go into ministry and once God begins to give us vision begins to entrust us with things that it's not about becoming a big minister it's not about becoming a big preacher it's about knowing Him intimately. Deborah, you're still there. Yeah, Adam? Deborah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, hi, Dan. You were kind of breaking up there for a little bit. I didn't want to make sure I didn't lose you again. Okay. So, okay, so as I was saying, so it's about knowing God intimately. Uh, so what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, I it's, uh, I, I think that uh, it's, it's important to know God intimately because there's, there's no, um, you know, there's religion and there's what we, what we're, told we're supposed to do and how we're raised to do and tradition and all that but it's it's really all about a relationship with God and and everything comes out of that relationship and spending time with him uh because he he wants to have a relationship with us uh, you know, that's really one of the reasons that he, he made us was to have fellowship with us and to have a relationship with us. But then when Adam and Eve, you know, when they sinned and, and, and all of that was lost, you know, Jesus, I mean, God, well, God really missed that a lot. And then he he missed it so much. And, he, and you know, that he loved us so much that that he wanted to keep that relationship with us. But the, he loved us so much that he didn't, he didn't, um, he loved us so much that we wouldn't stay, that, that man would not stay in that fallen state because once, once, um, once Adam had, and Eve had sinned and, and, you know, they're, they were in the, the fallen state, then they could, um, you know, if they had, had gone and, and, uh, they would yeah, they would have lived forever if they would have gone and <clears throat> you know God was saving them uh from living life permanently in that in that way, so it's really all about a relationship and spending time with God because I mean if you're married or if you have roommates or you just have friends or whatever and then and then uh you know you come home and like say for example you you know you're you're coming home from work and and your wife's at home and or your wife comes out to greet you in the in the at the driveway, and you just totally walk right by her. She's all beautifully made up with her pretty, you know, she's got on a pretty dress and beautiful makeup. She's got her hair all done, and she's just looking forward to seeing you. But you walk right by her, and you go right into the into the uh, into the living room or do whatever. And uh, I mean, that's how it is a lot. A lot of times, I mean, we 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 spend so much time getting busy doing other things, and even sometimes doing things for the Lord. I think, I think that we can get so busy doing stuff like that that sometimes tired all the time, and and there's so much stuff to fit in there that there's no time to fit in God. Either that, or there is time to fit in, but you're afraid that you know a, a person might be afraid that there that if they did fit God and something might get missed that that was uh, important that needed to get someone in essence, all of it is important. Uh, the only thing that matters is, it, is spending time with God and making time for him 
being in his presence. I mean, when you first start, you may, it might take a while to get to know him once you first start, but it's all about a relationship. And it's all about getting to know who he is as a person and getting to know what he likes and what his thoughts are and how you get to know what his his thoughts are and, and what he likes and what he doesn't like is by reading his word. And that'll that'll teach you how to how to uh that'll teach you what he likes and what he doesn't like and then spending time in his presence and uh worshiping him and loving on him and being his friend. All about a relationship, Adam. Hey man, and you know, you're talking about um, you know, getting too busy for God, you know, just like getting too busy for your wife. Um, so, you know, there's a real danger when anything, especially, you know, as Christians, ministry ever becomes more important to us than God. And um, there's, there's a scripture, Jesus talking, and he says, and he gives a parable, and this is Luke chapter 14, 16. He says, but he said them, a certain man made a great supper, and he paid me. And he sent forth his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with consent to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. And the servant came and told his lord these things, and the master of the house, being very angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring hither the poor and the maimed and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Lord, what you did, command is done, and there is room. The Lord said, Go into the servant, go into the highways and the byways and the hedges, and constrain them to come in that my house might be filled. For I say to you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste my supper. And so that's so that's really huge right now. So we have to understand that the, we're talking about like the will of God and the sovereignty of God and how our choices affect things. So first and foremost, understand in this parable that it wasn't necessarily sin for what these guys were doing. Guys, having a business is not sin. Having a wife is not sin. However, it is when it becomes more important to you than him. And what happened, basically, they had become satisfied with the business, with their wife, and they were no longer hungry for God. God no longer their number one. So when God called to them, it's like the man uh, in the story Deborah was just talking about with his wife, they, they kind of bypassed God and said, look, I'm busy. And so the king says, fine, go out to the highways and byways and get, 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 get these people. And, um, and really, and that's what it boils down to. So in regards to the plan of God, you know, God ultimately will have his will. It's just his will may not necessarily happen through the original ones that he has to do it. The Bible says, I search to and fro across the earth, looking for those that he may, that he may be strong on his, that, that he can so strong on their behalf. So God's always looking for people, looking for people that are going to be obedient, they are going to walk in his will, be solely sold out to him so he can fulfill his plan through them. And, uh, and so these people, so what, God, what does God do when people decide, look, I'm busy? He, well, he goes and looks for somebody else that, that's going to do his will. And, um, and that's really the same with any of us. You know, Israel, it was the first generation was supposed to go to the promised land. They were disobedient. They were rebellious. So now the second generation had to go. And uh, so that, those things are very, very important to understand. Um, there is grace. The good news is that uh, because of the grace of God, even if you do mess up, even if you do blow it, if you, if you mess up and you repent, 
then God can redraw the map. There's a, there's a scripture, and I don't have time to, to find it because it just came to me right now, but there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about Israel. And basically what happened is Israel, because of their continual rebellion, sin, and disobedience, essentially God, they, they, had, they had forfeited the plans that God had for them. But God says to them, but can I not do like that basically, even though it was marred and it was not, not what it's supposed to be, can I not do like the potter and reform that pot? So for the people maybe that are listening where you're like, man, I, I have totally, I feel like I've missed the plan of God for life. Well, the good news is there's hope. And if you repent and you come to the Lord and begin to seek the Lord and, you know, make him your number one again, then he can, he, he can turn and he can redeem those years. So, Deborah. Yes, that is so true, and, and thank thank you, Jesus, that that uh, you know that He makes that marred uh, thing beautiful again. Makes me, uh, you know, I was thinking about when, you, when we were talking about being too busy for God, and you were talking about along those lines as well. You know, bouncing off of what um, I was talking about, and how <clears throat> being too busy for 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 God, but then like I thought about uh, Martha and Mary. Um, when, you know, Jesus went over to their house and, and Martha was serving, she was busy serving all over the place and, and getting, uh, everything ready and busy working and serving food and cooking food and doing dishes and cleaning the house. And, uh, Mary choose to sit at, at his feet. She choose to sit at his feet and just listen to every word he said because, oh, she just loved everything he had to say because she didn't want to miss a beat. And Martha finally got frustrated and said to Jesus, don't you care that, that, that Mary's not helping me? And and uh, Jesus was like, Martha, Martha, you're, you're, you're worried and busy about about much, but, but Mary has chosen the right thing. She's chosen to sit at my feet. That's not the word verbatim because that, uh, didn't like you that scripture just came to me as well so um and uh so with that busyness and then so basically uh i don't it doesn't say but if i was her i think when jesus would have said that i think i would have put everything down and, and sat on the other side of him right by mary by his feet so i i think you know and it's like you said god has nothing against us having uh, businesses or against, uh, being in relationships or, uh, ministry. I mean, my goodness, he, he doesn't have anything against doing ministry. It's just like you said, when, when that, that, when your ministry becomes number one and not God, not that you mean it to, or not that we mean it to, um, but, uh, sometimes that can happen because, um, we think, oh, I gotta do this, that, and the other, and if I don't, God, I won't be pleasing God, but then we have to remember it's not a works program, you know, and I, I don't see where, especially if you're working like practically 24-7 serving and doing things, I, I don't see where God wants people tired 24-7 or running themselves on burnout. Uh, there comes a, a balance and there comes a uh you know, a, a, a happy meeting because there'll always be something to do. We have to remember to take care of ourselves and and uh, do it wisely. Uh, the serving part, because um, you know, if we open that door, you know, we can open that door. If we're going without sleep for a long time, or without food for a long time, or water, 
you know, thinking that we can handle it, but then, you know, we might open the door to the enemy to get us sick with something or whatever, but, um, and then, uh, so that's, uh, kind of what I had for right now, Adam. Well, so we're going to be taking calls pretty quick. Um, so we're going to be opening that up, but I just want to end with, so just as a recap, uh, before we start going into taking calls, uh, just some major points as far as when it comes to fulfilling the plan of God for life. And I apologize to everyone, uh, for my, uh, bad reception. I'm going to use a, uh, different phone next week for the purpose of, uh, like I said, we're still working out the kinks on this, so uh, bear with us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to get better, so uh, praise the Lord. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so and we essentially... Do, uh, we do have a caller on the line. Oh, go ahead. Okay, but so... Uh, we do have a caller on the line when you're through with... Sorry. Yeah, so, so just a recap. Go ahead, go ahead, so just, a re- so just to end with, before we start taking in callers, um, a couple things. God, basically, God has a custom house, if I want to put it that way. And that custom house, he has a very specific plan for each one of our lives. And, uh, and I want to very, you know, I mean, this is a whole different subject to go into, but when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you have to understand that at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be held accountable for whether or not we fulfilled that plan. Just doing good things for God is not where it's at. It's doing the will, his will. The Bible says that we're saved by grace, not by works but set apart for the works that he's called us to do. And the Bible talks about repentance from dead works. What is a dead work? A dead work is something done out of religion, but not out of relationship. And um, so basically, if we stand before him, this, and I just want to give an example of likely what you could see at the judgment seat. Understand something. All of us are responsible to seek the will of God. Some might be listening and go, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, the Bible says if you seek me, when you search for me with all your heart, and the Bible says that Jesus is the way. So your way to finding the plan of God for your life is knowing Jesus. So if you realize you're not hearing God and you don't have his plan for your life, then, then diligently seek him and develop that relationship so that you can hear him to get his plan for your life. Because when you stand before him, ignorance is not an excuse because it's available in his presence. And likely, unfortunately, what you'll probably see is this at the judgment seat. You'll probably see, hear the master say, you know, Pastor Smith, come and give an account. And you'll see a guy walk up a little confused, and he'll be like, uh, you mean businessman Smith. Uh, I raised millions of dollars, Lord, and I, I funded the gospel. Businessman Smith, that's not what I mean. Sorry, Pastor Smith, that's not what I called you to do. I called you to raise up a 300-member congregation in your city, and all if you'd obeyed me, all the souls they would have won, won, you would have been in full credit for just as them because you were obedient to me. However, now you have not been, and the works you did were done in disobedience Therefore, they will now be burned. And that's what the Bible talks about between wood, hay, and stubble, and gold, silver, and precious stones. The works done in Christ with the right motive will be gold, silver, and precious stones. The works done out of religion will be wood, hay, and stubble will be burned. And, that, and then you'll probably see another guy come up, and, he, and some people think it's all about ministry. So you'll see a guy come up, and he'll say, you know, uh, businessman Smith, come and give an account. And the guy, this pastor will come up, oh, oh, Lord, I was a pastor. I, I had a 150-member congregation in the city. And um, he's gonna and and he's gonna go well. Businessman Smith, that's not what I called you to do. I called you to raise up millions of dollars to fund the gospel. Why didn't you do it? Uh, well, I didn't know, Lord. Well, that this I'm sorry, but it was available. If you would have just sought me, I would have revealed it to you. Therefore, your works will now be burned. Um, and the list goes on. It's all about if we just do our part. God has a God has a it's like as if God is the master contractor and he has this blueprint for this house that he's building and and he, and he called and if you were building a house 
and the plumbers came in at the wrong time and started putting in the plumbing before you were before you were ready, you're going to show up and be like, what the heck? So, and then what are you going to do? You're going to tear out the plumbing, fire that contractor, and bring in somebody else. So God's house, here's the deal, God's house will be built. And in the end, God will have his will. It's just a matter of, is it, is it going to happen through you, or is it going to happen through somebody else? And, uh, and, and, as, and as we diligently support it, what I want to say regarding that, and it's, uh, it's very important we are sold out to the will of God, no matter what he tells us. Have that established in your heart that I will go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. I will do what you want me to do. Um, the, the three things that usually take people out of, out of the will of God are money, security, and relationships. They're like, God, I'll go where you go. Tell me, tell me to go. And then somebody will like, well, I really want to marry this person. And God's like, no. Or they just haven't heard from the Lord, but they do it anyway because they want to be with somebody. That's a lot of times what people out. Uh, you know, to be God's like, go to this place. Well, I don't feel really comfortable with that God. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about my finances. Or, or God, this business, and if I, did, I have to give up this business to go there. You have to decide that when you're seeking the will of God, don't seek him with any preconceived notion of what he may tell you, because what he may tell you may not be comfortable with your flesh, but you have to decide ahead of time, I'm going to lay down all to follow Jesus. And uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and take some calls. There are some callers on the line. Well, actually, I had a thought on that before we take the calls. Nothing personal callers. <laughs> I just, okay. you know, when you were talking about um, really, uh, how the, we still have about 56 minutes um, uh, before we go off the air. So, but when you were talking about how relationships and, and things like that are just, you know, not doing what God what, what God wants you to do. And it makes me think of um, how Samson, you know, he, his was relationships. His was a girl that got him into trouble. And, uh, but, you know, you're talking about the sovereignty, the grace of God, and, and uh, you know, restoring back. And how um, with Samson, uh, you know, eventually later on, uh, he ended up, uh, God ended up, um, was, was, you know, having mercy on him. And David, his was a relationship, you know, when he fell. And talking about decisions and, you know, you were talking about kind of like Adam made me think of that when you gave that illustration about uh, you stand before the Lord and you say, Pastor Jimmy or whoever it was you said. He says, no, don't you mean businessman, Jimmy? He goes, no, I called you to be a pastor, but you didn't do it. Uh, you chose your own route. Basically, Saul chose his own route, and a lot of it he was unwilling to repent. And then uh, Samson chose his own route with with Delilah, but it, he ended up repenting. And uh, then it makes me think about Mary. She made the choice, and uh, she said yes, so that um, when when the Holy Spirit would come upon her, that Jesus would be born through her. She didn't have to say yes, but she chose to say yes, and then um, she ended up, uh, you know, being the the one that gave birth to Jesus. So I just uh, just made me think of that. If you had anything on that, Adam, uh, or not, before we go to calls, just let me know, okay? Yeah. If you have yeah, anything. Yeah, really that was a really good point. So just regarding the grace of God. So yeah, like David, you know. David repented, and it didn't. The grace of God did not totally eliminate the consequences of his actions. You know, he slept with, slept with Bathsheba. He had her. He had her husband killed, and uh, and in the end, it, right. you know, the Bible, God, God told him the sword's not going to leave your house. 
And so there were great consequences to some of the things that David did. But in the end, you know, God still worked his plan mightily through David because of his repentance. And, you know, and uh, and also with this, this, and I just want to address with the sovereignty of God, a lot of people might say something like, well, why would God still, you know, hold me accountable if because of his sovereignty his plan is still going to be worked? And the answer is is that you're still going to be held accountable for whether or not you participate in this plan because rebellion is a sin is unto witchcraft. So we can't live in rebellion against God. God's all-powerful, and in the end, God will accomplish his plan and purpose. It's just, again, um, are you going to be found at the judgments having participated in that plan, or are you going to be found at the judgments having going against that plan? And that's very, and that's very, very key. Um, so, with that being said, let's go ahead and take some calls. Okay, um, have gone in a minute. And um, hello, are you there, caller three oh one? What's your name? Hello, this is Tony, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Hey, We're Tony, how are you? I'm glad you I'm called tonight. Good. Sorry about the yeah, technical difficulties. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing wonderful. I'm just enjoying you guys talk about, you know, the Lord and really encouraging. It's awesome, you know, to hear you guys flowing and, and the Holy Spirit really being can encourage tonight. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Good, good. Thank very, you. We had a little technical you. difficulties, but we're here. <laughs> right. So, so for anyone else listening, this is Tony Carpenter, and Tony is an amazing man of God, has reached literally, you know, thousands for Jesus, um, is doing great things. And, you know, one of the things we talked about, and he's a perfect example, one of the things we talked about on the last show is that we were entering into a day when it's not going to be, you know, the Billy Grahams necessarily and the Right Heart Bonkies doing all the work of bringing in the last time harvest. It's going to be everyday Christians. And Tony's one of those guys who is just, you know, he's an everyday guy who just allows God to use him, and uh, he's a perfect example of um, what it's of, of what it's going to be like to be a soldier in these last days. So that's a you know one of the hugest compliments I can give somebody, and I he's he, I think he's a great. Man. I'm really excited to have him on the show. So Tony, with everything that we're talking about, do you have anything to uh, say about you know some of the subjects we're talking about tonight? Yeah, I mean you know it's 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 exciting. You know the the reality. Uh, you know what I've learned throughout being a disciple of Jesus. You know. Um, you know, I think I think what you guys are really hitting on tonight is the difference between a believer and a disciple. You know, a lot of times, you know, we were talking about the grace, and, you know, I kind of caught, like, here and there, you know, different things throughout the conversation and, uh, you know, fulfilling God's plan for your life, different things like that. And, um, you know, what I really believe, you know, you're even talking about through trials and, and different things like that, and, and what I'm what I'm hearing from you guys is the truth. You know, the Word of God, you know, nothing that's sugar-coated, nothing filtering. Um, you know, it's the pure Word of Heaven, and uh, it's an encouragement to the people, you know, to, to let them know that, hey, you know, obviously, you know, Jesus has overcome the world, and he lives inside you, and you can overcome it, but don't be blinded by the wickedness of the world. You know, be awake, be alert. And, um, you know, what you're talking about, the, the, the importance of, you know, doing the will of God. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded in the scriptures where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. And uh, that just encourages me, you know. Um, you know, Jesus said in, in Matthew, he said, you know, depart from your work of iniquity. He said, I prophesied in your name, cast out devils, da 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 so forth and so on. And he basically said, I didn't know you. And... Um, you know, it's so important to follow the will of God for your life. And people say, well, you know, how can I follow the will? I don't know what God wants from me. 
Well, first of all, you got to understand the will of God is which is word. And, uh, you know, our pastor always teaches that, you know, the word, the will is the word. And then once you know the, the known will, then you can understand the unknown will. So whatever, all you guys said, I mean, it's just powerful. It's encouragement. It's direction for, for new believers and even disciples of Jesus. And uh, we, we got to continue in that. So I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited for what you guys are bringing this topic up, really encouraging people tonight. Well, thanks. Praise God. Praise God. So, uh, so yeah, so we just want to encourage anyone that's listening, if you want to call in and be part of it, this is the show for discussion, prayer, things of that nature. And uh, we just want to really, you know, encourage people to come in and be a part of this if you have something you feel like you want to add to the conversation. Um, so Right. And I hope if I give the phone number a couple of times. Yeah, go ahead and give out the phone number, Deborah. The phone number is 646. 646- Six six eight two zero nine three at 646-668-2093. And as I said, we are having some technical difficulties. So if you're not getting here first, please keep trying. And uh, and with that being said, you know, the last, one thing that we that I the one person that me and Deborah talked about, we did want to talk about Bible that we didn't get to, and it was this guy named Judas, Judas Iscariot in the right. Bible. And what's what's amazing about Judas is that he walked with Jesus for three, you know, for three years. Um, and by all accounts, you know, Judas. What's scary about Judas is that Judas, you know, Jesus was, had like five thousand people following him, and Jesus says, "You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood," uh, in order to, you know. And then five thousand people go, uh, "Yeah, about that," and then just walk away. And right. so Jesus with one with Jesus with one sermon loses ninety nine percent of his congregation. You know, so. <laughs> Let me first say that ministry mm-hmm. success is not about numbers. And so, and then Jesus looks at the remaining 1% and says, do you guys want to leave also? And what's scary is that Judas stayed. Judas didn't right. leave with the other 5,000. Judas stayed. And, G- Judas, and Judas went out and he preached the gospel and he, and he cast out devils and he, you know, he did all the things the other disciples did. He was, I mean, he, was, he looked so much like a disciple that, it, that wow. at the last, he, 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 even at the Last Supper, and they're sitting there, and they and Jesus says, you know, the one that dips in the dish with me will betray me. One of the ones that dips in the dish with me will mm-hmm. betray me. You know, all of them, all of them, including Judas, fully knowing what he was going to do, looked at him and said, Master, is it I? Jesus. So Judas is so blind to who Jesus is, he had the gall to look Jesus in the face and say, Master, is it I? Knowing full well that what he was about to do. And, and then when, and when Satan enters into Judas and Judas goes out, the disciples say that he figured they must have. They figured he must have gone and gone out to get some more stuff for the supper. So they were so. So he looked so much like a disciple that until the hmm. end, until after everything had transpired, they didn't get that he was really a devil. Wow. And so and so, but the, and the key to the, all this is that you know, it's another thing about fulfilling the plan of God for your life is that we can't believe our own press. Well, what do you mean, mm-hmm. Adam? Meaning that. I don't care if you go out and win up to Jesus and maybe you testify at your church and everyone think, pats you on the back and tells you what a great man of God you are. You know, it's through you when you, it's like the word of God is a mirror and in your relationship with God, God will come in if you have a relationship with him and you're open to that, God will come and tell you like it is out of love for you. Jesus yeah. said to avoid the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is just basically acting like something you're not, something Judas did a very good job of. 
And mm-hmm. um, and so in the same way, and Jesus told a church in the book of Revelation, you have a rev- you have a reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. So everyone thinks it's like live church, it's like it's a revival church, man. Go to that church, that man. God's in that church because you're dead. So in the same, so basically, we have to keep, stay stay close to Jesus so that Jesus can show us where we're really at. When Jesus can come to us like the church of Laodicea and say, you think you're blind, you think you have everything, but you don't realize that you're poor, blind, rich, and naked. And when God says those things to us, it's not out of condemnation, it's out of love that we might see our true state and repent and be restored. And, hmm. uh, Jeffrey, do you have anything to say about that? Well, you know, you're talking about, uh, talking about that and, and, uh, Judas, you know, and, uh, Judas Iscariot and how, I mean, I just had a thought of how Jesus gave him, I think he loves him so much like, like he loves all of us. He gave him so many times to repent. He, I, you know, like a part of him would have wished he, maybe, I don't know, would have repented or something, but he, he gave him a very ample opportunity. I mean, because Jesus does know everything. He knew he was stealing from him. So, um, but, you know, he did do his own, his own thing. And, uh, um, but I don't know. I just, uh, talking about, talking about the will of God and, and doing exactly what it is that, that he wants us to do and, and being held accountable for that is, uh, it's really, it's really a lot to be held accountable for, you know, because I want to end up hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, not depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you know, and I, I don't want to be the one that, that is uh, acting like I'm a Christian or whatever and lifting my hands when I'm supposed to and shouting when I'm supposed to in church and yelling amen or hallelujah or come on, something like that, but then I'm not living a life when I go home. You know, it's the same kind of thing. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, you know, when I, you know, it's funny when you guys, you know, brought up Judas. It's, it's amazing to see how, you know, uh, you know, Adam was talking about fulfilling Judas, and it, it just blew my mind. You know, when I started thinking about it, I mean, Adam said, you know, imagine, you know, seeing the five thousand and all the miracles. And being a part of that, and then at still, you know, at the end end of, you know, whatever years go by, and then you totally betray the one who, you know, has been with you, traveling, all these things. And it's a couple of things when I think about the story of Judas. You know, I think about the Bible says that he that endured to the end shall be saved. And we're talking about the will of God, the purpose of God, so forth and so on. And that's the reality of life. It's like it's not about just being on fire for two years and then, you know, backsliding and going back to the old man it's it's a race you know we got to run this race with patience you know laying up every sin everything that would entangle us and the other the other reality is this he was called to be a great man of god i mean you think about a disciple the disciples of jesus jesus didn't pick anybody he actually chose these disciples he hand picked these men and God was going to do a great work because obviously we read through the Bible, you know, Jesus ascended on high through the day of Pentecost, all these great things. And, I mean, the Bible says that, you know, that the book couldn't even contain the miracles that Jesus did. So, obviously, what about the disciples, you know? And um, and the reality is, is with the will of God, you have to be so careful and watchful uh, uh, of the enemy, you know, because the enemy will break the weakest link of the chain, and that's what it was. You know, he attacked, I believe, 
you know, Judas started out. I mean, come on, we all we all know people that started out that that are totally in the world right now, but actually started out right. with a genuine heart, loving Jesus with mm-hmm. all their heart, on fire for God, serving, you know, winning souls and all this. And the next thing you know, they get caught up. And I believe, like a lot of times, even like the children of Israel, I believe that when they came out of the Red Sea. You know, they were excited, you know, but, you know, and the murmur and complaining started getting involved. And next thing you know, they're backsliding and totally turning the back on the Lord. And I believe it was the same thing with Judah. So another thing that comes to mind, you got to beware. The Bible says, you know, Jesus said, beware of them who are uh, addressed, you know, they're wolves, but they dress in sheep's clothing. You know, that's another thing as, as, as you know, as newborn again believers and even believers still you got to be so careful i mean mark 24 tells us about you know uh, uh the different you know false signs and here and there and and it's so important that we always got our life through the word of god so i mean there's much to say about his life a great example that we could be led by and beware and be careful um so you know that's kind of my take on it there's so much more we could probably talk about on that but but adam you know that's that's so powerful man it really is and when you're talking about like wolves in sheep's clothing, uh, so it, again, it's we have to be very careful that it's not that as we as we begin to walk in this call, we begin to step into our calling that uh, it's that the power of God doesn't deceive us and say, well, what do you mean by that, Adam? It's well because you know power, money. If your character is not refined, power has an amazing way of deluding you. There's great men of God that fell because of you know yeah. power, and Jude, I'm sure Judas probably at one point really thought. He probably really thought he was a true disciple at some point because he was walking right. and casting out the devils and healing the sick. Um, and so that, and so in the same way, we can go out and do things and walk in the power of God and think we're okay. So, and, and, to, and to put it this way, the best way I can put it is that it's almost like there's like two presences of God. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does. There's the presence of God, and which is the, for the purpose and the anointing for ministry. It is to equip, you know, it's there to equip you for the sake of ministering to other people. However, there's also the personal presence of God, which is just right. our relationship. And you can walk in the power of God for ministry, but yet not have that relationship. Wow, come on. And, and not have that relationship. Because the Bible says the gifts and calling are without repentance. So once, yeah. you, once that power comes on you, it's like, I mean, it's just, I mean, how deceiving. It's like you could be some guy... Just name it. I mean, let's say you're you're some preacher and you you get all bound up in pornography or you get bound up in this and that, and then you go out and the same anointing keeps like showing up and and before you know it, you start if you're if you don't if you are not grounded in the Word of God and you're not and you're not then you'll begin to think that you can do this and God's approval is is on it and you and God right. and God stay with it. You know, there's a scripture where. God tells people, "You remain. I remain silent, and you think I. I remain silent, and you think I didn't care. You know. And so basically, God, we do not interpret God's silence as His approval on things. That God doesn't come and give people like people like when it comes to sin. People are like, well, if it's if, if it's really wrong, God will tell me. He told us in His Word. He's already told yeah. us in His Word, and His Word has to be. And you must understand that when you stand before Him, Jesus made this statement. He says, "The word that I've spoken will judge you on the last day." So notice he didn't just say the word that I speak will judge you. He said the word that I've spoken. The word that he has already spoken is the word that will be held accountable to on Judgment Day. And so when, so that, that Bible, I mean, the Bible says to bind that Bible, to bind his word to your heart. It is, it, is, it, is, it is everything you need along with the Holy Spirit for life and godliness. And if you begin to deceive yourself and to think that you can kind of go against the word and that because God still uses you and his power still flows, 
that it's okay? Absolutely not. When you stand before him, you will still be held accountable because you and you know and the Judas and many others throughout history, John Alexander, and many others, even though they were in complete deception, still flowed in the power of God. So the Bible says to pursue love and desire gifts. So we must desire the character. We must pursue God and pursue the character of God. And say, God, let me only desire your power for the sake of ministering to and serving other people, never to exalt myself. You know, and uh, and when you're in that place where you truly mean that, then you're a good candidate for the power of God to really come on you. And, you know, you know, raise dead and things of that nature. But it's like you really don't want to be in that. But you you want God to work His character in you. What we were talking before through the trials and tribulations and things of that nature. And the last thing I want to say is one of the main things that will take you out of the will of God. Uh, before I turn it back over to Deborah, is uh, I want to deal with the issue of complaining because uh, that's something I'm really mm. going to um, I've dealt with in my own life. And uh, I, I had this friend of mine named Stephanie who is um, she's from Louisiana, and she is one of the happiest people I've ever met despite all the amazing trials that she goes through. And it's, you know what? And, she, and one day she told me, Adam, you really need to just take 10 things every day that you're thankful for and begin to, and begin to be thankful. And, you know, and, ever, and I'm, I'm in this crazy, I'm going through all kinds of, I'm going through pressures and trials right now. But since I've learned to quit complaining and started applying thankfulness and just being thankful for everything, my attitude is different. I'm a much happier person. And right now the blessing of God stops flowing because of, because of, because of in lack of gratitude and thankfulness, lack of thankfulness. Um, and the best example I have for that is, you know, Jesus was on the mountain. He had to feed 5,000 people. This kid brings them a couple loaves and some fish. If that was us, we'd probably be like, Jesus, God, what the heck? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got I, I to feed 5,000 mm-hmm. people here. But Jesus blessed it, and he said, and he thanked God for it, and then it multiplied. So in the same way, when, when, when you're going through things, always be thankful for what you have and thank God for it. And, then, and, if God has, and, and it's out of that attitude of thankfulness that God's blessing can begin to flow. But complaining will always take you. It'll, it'll take you out of the spirit. It'll take you out of the blessing, and it will take you out of the plan of God for your life. And it, 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 as praise is to God, praise brings the presence of God. So complaining is to the devil. You want to bring you want you want to open the door for attacks of the devil in your life and take yourself out of the will of God, then start complaining. And uh, Deborah. Yes, uh, we do have a another caller right now. I'm going to take their call. Uh, hello, seven three four. What's your name? Hello, this is uh, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, I'm uh, I'm 15 years old. I'm um I just I'm I'm just trying to find God's plan for me. I I've just kind of fallen off the path, you know, been experimenting with like drugs and things, and I just I need to find God's plan for me. And I was just wondering if you guys could uh, just explain some things for me. Sure, Tony. Uh, Tony, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I come from a background, uh, you know, drugs and. You know, even even you know throughout my life, I mean, I I I grew up in, you know, I grew up in church as a kid, and you know, totally prodigal son, backslid, totally went in the world, and you know, my testimony to speed it up. I mean, basically, I overdosed on drugs in my room, and um, you know, I I almost died, and God came and radically saved my life, and um, you know, the reality of everything, what I realized is that God is God is a good God, and He's a loving God. And a lot of times, you know, it's it's kind of hard to walk with them, it seems like, even when the beginning stage of my life because I didn't surrender. And I believe we're talking about the will of God even in your life. You know, it comes to a point where you say, God, 
you know, I want to surrender my life. When you surrender your life to the full, that's when you understand the will of God for your life. And that's when I begin to really, really get hungry, really get desperate. You know, Pastor Ronnie, our pastor, he tells us that, you know, to get hungry for for God or to hear his voice, you literally got to strip anything that will satisfy you. And when you begin to do that, you begin to literally tune down. You you turn the volume of the world down, and you turn the voice of God up, if wow. that makes any sense. And then you begin to walk yeah. in the fullness of God. You begin to understand the word of God. You understand your, his plan for your life. You hear his voice. You can you can hear him tugging on your heart. I mean, your heart is soft. I don't hear him, but... And um and and that's that's just you know that's what it is. I mean it's that it's that point. The word surrender means to yield, to give up or to die to, and that's what you got to do to yourself. You got to yield to the spirit of God. You got to give up yourself and you got to die to yourself. And the moment you begin to do that, you begin to really realize the exact purpose and the exact will of God for your life. And you got to be so careful because the enemy. You know, he, he's, a, he's a raging lion seeking whom he may devour. So when I got saved, when I really started getting serious with God, this is what I did. And, and Deborah, Adam, you guys can agree. When we really got hot on fire for God and we said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm tired of playing with sin. We cleaned our house out. We took anything that was not of God. We threw it away. We put boundaries. We created structure. We, we created discipline in our life. And then... Like I said, you turn down the voice of the world and you turn the voice of God up and you can begin to, you know, realize the, the plan of God that he has for your life. Adam, what do you think about that, man? Well, here's well, a couple things. I don't know uh, where you're at, uh, but the bottom line is uh, there's, some, uh, there's just some foundational things to do that no matter where you're at as a Christian, no matter if you're struggling, if you're great, these that foundations have to be there for you to walk with Christ. A, you must be in the Word of God daily. You must have, a, I, I recommend yeah. highly, a systematic flow plan the way which people go through the Bible, and when you, before you, and just you, these, these are just practical things. You say, you know, God, speak to me today. Get in your Bible and and, and read through what you design as a plan to, to be, uh, go through the Bible. I recommend what's running like, the book and not going through the New Testament. What's just like, like the best? I, what is I like, do, first trans, you're asking about the best translation. Uh, but, uh, what What do you want to ask, Mike? What's your question? Like, what do I read in the Bible? Okay, um, I well, I always recommend people to keep it simple. I would recommend starting with just the Book of John for now. Start with like the Book of right. John and say, okay, I'm going to go through three or four chapters of the New Testament a day, and I'm going to go until I finish the New Testament. And then once you get through that, maybe maybe you can change it up after that. But for right now, I would recommend starting with the Book of John because it's yeah. one of the Gospels, and it start and it's all about the the Godhood of Jesus Christ. And start there, and start and start just start going through the Book of John through the New Testament, and ask God to help you. The other thing I want to say is, of course, there's prayer. Now, now let me ask you: Have you ever been filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you ever speak? Have you ever spoken in tongues before? Well, I I've talked to him before, but I mean, like, I never like actually feel like he's actually speaking back to me. Like, because that's what they always like say in church, but. Okay, well, well, here's well, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is a person, and it's and, and, the, and they understand that in order to have that relationship with Him, it comes from your spirit, not the real you on the inside of you, not your flesh. And so, one of the main keys to that is to be able to <clears throat> build up your spirit, man, so that you're actually sensitive, so you can actually hear Him. So, one of the first keys to that is to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, we'll do a whole sec- a whole show on that later. But for right now, as for you. 
if you, if you would you like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Matt? All right. Well, I really appreciate your advice. Well, no, Matt, I'm asking you. Would you would you actually if you want to if oh, you like to have a relationship with God? I'm asking you. Would you like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Because that's the first yes. step. Once you yes, okay. So first of all, let's talk. Let's let's talk rededicating your life to Christ. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I'm into my heart. I've been to my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Matt, can you hear me? He got uh, disconnected. Okay, Matt, if you're listening, please call back in. And, and yeah, just have okay, a, Matt. Uh, actually, Mike, uh, if you uh, if you can hear us and you got disconnected, please call back in. But to finish saying the prayer, just repeat after me and say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And he's going to be right there for you. And uh, just call back in if you can. We've got about 29 minutes, about 28 minutes left before we go off the air. And and if you can't make it tonight, then um, we hope that you will tune in again. And also for I'm that glad guy that, that you called, called Philly, for, any, for, any, for anybody For anybody else that's listening, since we're dealing with that, I want to say that's what that's a big key to fulfilling the plan of God for life. If you're going to fulfill, live the victorious, spirit-filled life, and be a solid Christian, and fulfill the plan of God for your life, I know this is going to disagree with a lot of repeat different religions and denominations out there, but I'm just going to say it, speaking in tongues is not an option. Right. Mark chapter 15 says these signs will follow those who leave. They will cast out devils. Don't Come on, Adam. And you know, in the book of Jude, it gives a command to every believer, not just the apostles. It says. You, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. So for I'm just going to just briefly, I'm for anybody that's listening that's never been filled with the Holy Ghost, some people might be able to say, you know, I've tried, but I've just never received it, whatever. Um, the Bible says that if earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will he not give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him? The Bible says that it goes on to say that if, if the son asks their fathers for bread, he does not give them snakes or stones. So you can be assured that when you ask God for the Holy Spirit, that you're getting the Holy Spirit. So if you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, anybody that's listening on the air, say this with me. Say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with that power to you. And, 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 just, and right now, if you've prayed that prayer and asked Jesus in your heart and pray, pray for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and it's real simple as now the book of James says, faith without action is dead. And the book of Jude says, you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. So it is an action you take. It is your voice. You still use your voice, but the language comes out from him when you step out in faith. Now you say, well, what if I don't understand it? You're not supposed to. The Bible says that when in tongues we pray mysteries unto God. What is a mystery? A mystery is something you don't know. So you're not supposed to, but God does, and you're praying the perfect will of God. And the key is that the devil doesn't know either. So it is a, it is a direct link between you and God. So, and it's as simple as just, the Bible says he uses the foolish thing. He might sound silly, but when I step count to three, open your mouth and by faith, it's beginning to speak out some new syllables. Don't speak English or any other language. Speak out. And as you speak out those new syllables, he will then cause the language of his choosing to begin to come through you. So when I count to three, one, two, three, just begin to speak it out right now. You might just be having a few syllables or a few new words that are coming out of you, and that's okay. Just speaking out, and the language will begin to grow from there. 
and you speaking out, and you'll begin to build up your spirit, man. But just like the Book of Jude says, and out of that, and out of that, you'll begin to become more sensitive to things of God, and begin to hear God, and be able to hear 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 God speak to you through the Word of God. Amen. Deborah, do you have anything to say? Um. Yeah. I just uh, that's um. You know, it's very true. It's uh. You know, we build our build up our spirit, man, when we pray in the spirit, and uh, we edify ourselves. And we we pray the perfect will of God, so that the perfect will of God is, is done in our lives, so that we can flow and walk in uh, according to His perfect will and plan, and and uh, follow in His 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 direction. And um, you know, I'm I I'm, I'm just glad that even with all the technical issues that we had tonight and. And you know, try I, for some reason the switchboard was just not showing up, and it was just really weird. But um, I love having the guests, but it was all worth it for Mike and for the rest listening. But for, to have him be able to call in was 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 a blessing, and um, I uh, I'm glad that uh, that he did call in. You know, I just yeah, um, and the, and the good, you know, we've had a, already had. We've already had people like download download the show, and uh, already you know we've, we're getting a lot of listeners and people downloading the show. So we know people are listening. So I just want to say to anyone listening, please, please give us feedback. Um, we want to hear wh- wh- how we're doing the ministry to you. So that's always good to hear. That's always encouraging to us. And um, this feedback from people is always good. But just to just to reiterate, you know, it's just like the last thing I'm going to say is you know I touched on how regarding baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues that, um, you know, it might, it might offend some people because I, it's amazing to me that, you know, uh, people will believe in healing, casting out devils even, they'll believe in the anointing, but they won't believe in speaking in tongues. But it is probably the most attacked thing in the church because it is the doorway to the supernatural. It is a doorway to a deeper relationship with God. I truly believe that you cannot fulfill everything God has for you without that gift. And, um, you know, so with that, and so with that being said, when we the the other the last thing I'm going to say about fulfilling the plan of God for your life is that when you read the Bible, you cannot read the Bible with a filter on. What do you right. mean? So when you read the, when you read the Bible, you must the Bible says we must come like children. Children, when they listen to their parents, they don't really listen to their parents with a preconceived notion. Their their dad could tell them one plus one equals chair, and they'll believe it because it's because it's their dad. Jesus. So in the same way. You, when you read the Bible, you must take it for what it says. You don't interpret you don't interpret it through your religious background. You don't interpret it through, you know, your your belief or your circumstance. You know, I had one time we were talking about a subject with somebody, and uh, I was telling him what I about the Bible and finding the plan of God for your life. And uh, this guy was uh, he goes he, he kind of condescendingly he's kind of like, Adam how old are you? And he's and I'm like I told him my age, and he's like well you know. I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, life experiences taught me differently. How sad that this guy who was a professing Christian believed his life experience over instead of what the Word of God says. Let me tell you, Christian, anybody that's listening, if you are going to fulfill the plan of God for your life, the Word of God must dictate your, must dictate your life and, your, and what's true to you, not the other way around. And so you cannot, you cannot say, well, I know the Word of God says that, but this is what I've experienced in life, so this is what I believe, and then interpret the Word of God through that lens. You must take the Word of God for what it says. And if your life is not lining up with the Word of God, say, okay, what's happening here? Why am I not seeing this? And pursue God and ask God for answers and say, God, you know, help me. I want to walk in your Word. And I believe your Word, your Word, God to tell me the sky is purple, and I believe it. It's because it's your Word. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so 
And so it's like, so when we read the Word of God, we must take it for what it says and not, and not have, and it's like, it's almost like, here's my, my question to everyone, my challenge to everyone tonight would be, when you read the Bible, do you believe what you read, or do you read what you already believe? In short, when you read it, do you ask, are you reading it to grow in your relationship with God and receive new revelation, or are you reading it just to reinforce your, the religious stuff you've already been, you've already bought? And uh, with like speaking in tongues, that's a big one. It's like you'll hear a million different religious excuses uh, with a couple scriptures tacked onto why we shouldn't speak in tongues for today. But what's happening? They're re- they're they're reading the word of God through an established filter, and as a result, they cannot receive it. But Jesus said, "You told the Pharisees, you nullify the power of the word of God through your religion and tradition." So that, that's absolutely amazing. He said that Jesus. This is Jesus who said that heaven and earth will pass away before one jot and tittle of my word will pass away. Yet he, the same Jesus, told the Pharisees that their religion tradition nullified the power of the word of God. So mm. sin is not really sin is not really the greatest enemy of God. Like you know, immorality and stuff like that, as bad as it is, it's really religion and tradition is always the biggest enemy of the move of the spirit and the true teaching of the word of God. And so you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be religious. You don't want to be a Pharisee. You want to be a God that always a person that's soft and comes to God like a child without your religious mindset and say, God, if I'm wrong on anything, if I just I, I always stay teachable, always stay humble. He says he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Tony, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, man. You know, to combine everything in a loop, you know, we're talking about the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the will of God. Then we went into, you know, what you're talking about, the word of God. And, uh, you know, I was just looking into my Bible. You know, it says in John 14, 26, um, it says, But when the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, and the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things uh, and bring you into remembrance all things whatsoever I said unto you. And we're talking about the will of God, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the Word of God. And all these things match. I mean, they all line up. Um, you know, a, a, a son without a father that's not being taught, he's going to miss out in life. He's going to miss out um, in direction, um, you know, characteristics, skills, a lot of different things. And it's the same thing. You said, well, you know, well, how can, and this is the reality. This is when everything's said and done. Look, religion, people that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, they read the Bible, and without being taught through the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, they they grab stuff out of the scripture, they say, you know, and they twist the word up and you know, just like you said, you have to be almost a child to receive the word of God and it's just it, it it's mind blowing to me when, you know, you talk to different believers and they say, Well, you know, I believe in the name of Jesus, I believe there's power in the name of Jesus, but you know, Jesus doesn't heal today. You know, it's just God's will if you're sick or you know, we don't speak in tongues because that's weird. Or, you know, they, they use scriptures to con And what it is is people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit and not being taught by the Holy Spirit, reading the Word. And like it says right here, that, that he'll teach you all things, you know, and obviously teaching you everything about the Word of God, encouraging you, being with you, revealing the revelation of the Word. And um, just like the caller called in, you know, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. He's on a journey. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you understand the Word. And um, it's so important. I mean, you cannot fill the you cannot fulfill the will of God without the Holy Spirit. If Pastor Allen always says this. He says, you know, imagine, you know, you know, after altar call on Sunday mornings at the main event, you don't want to miss that out. If you guys are in Tampa, just giving a plug in for that 10 a.m. Uh, at the River of Tampa Bay. But you know, at the altar call, Pastor Allen will say this. He says, you know, imagine having a brand new Corvette and all shiny on the outside and 
and nice rims and leather interior and sound system, but when you pop the hood, there's no there's no engine in it. You know, what's the use of having a Corvette? It's the same thing as being a Christian. So how can you function correctly in the will of God, period, without the Holy Ghost? Adam, what do you think about that, man? Uh, what I think about that is, is that... Um it's really, it's really just, it's, it, it, nothing really changes. It may come on a different form, but nothing really changes. And uh, back in Jesus' day, you know, the Pharisees would basically look at Jesus and say, look, we're Abraham's descendants. We, we, we know God. God is our father. We don't need you. You know, who do you think you are? You know, and uh, so now it's, just, now it's just different. Now everyone's saying that, well, we've got Jesus. We don't need this Holy Spirit. And wow. um, Lord help us. So that's really what it boils down to. It's like you cannot... You cannot say that Jesus is your Lord and kind of have a pick and choose thing. You cannot. I mean, Jesus said that. I Jesus said that. He goes, "I'm going away, come on, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send another so that you will not be alone." So if Jesus is saying that we will not be orphans on the basis of the fact that He is sending His Spirit, that come would on. mean that would mean that only to the extent that we know the Holy Spirit do we not live as orphans. Wow. That means you can be a born-again believer. God is your father. Jesus lives on the inside of you. You don't actually experience, have the experience of him being your father because the one that has been sent to be the connection between the father and Jesus sitting on the throne and at the right hand of the throne, you have rejected an intimate relationship with him because of your religion and tradition. Therefore, mm. even though God is your father, you live as an orphan because Easy. you cannot have a relationship with Jesus your way. It is only through the person of the Holy Spirit. We must lose the addiction, especially in America, to our mental understanding, and say, you know, "Well, I'm only, I'm not going to do that because I don't understand it." Well, you, then you're never going to do it because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of is the beginning of understanding. And yeah. so, if you don't, if you don't, it's like so, like again, like a child, you say, "God, I don't fully understand," but your word says it, so I want it. You know, it's just like right. I was talking to a guy about about speaking in tongues, and he says, "Well," and he didn't define that. He didn't even go against whether or not it was biblical. He just said, "Well, what if I just don't want that?" And I, that shocked me. I'm just like, mm-hmm. "Okay, you believe it's Bible, but you just don't want it." And uh, he, and I and I and I unfortunately because it's a command, it's not a suggestion. It is a command. Jesus said, "These signs will not maybe these will follow those who believe." It is a command from Jesus to speak in tongues. I had to look at the guy and tell him because of his attitude towards it, sir, you are in rebellion and disobedience to the Word of God. And that's really and that's the truth. I mean, it's just like that's not condemnation. That's just saying that's fact that you that you you must lose your religion and tradition. And embrace what the Word of God says and not read it through a filter. It's very, very simple. If it says that go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, any Christian you say will say that that's for everybody. Then, and then it goes into these signs will follow those that lead. They'll cast out devils, they'll lay hands on the sick, they'll speak in tongues. If you believe that going into all the world and preaching the gospel is for every believer, you have to believe speaking in tongues is for every believer. Jesus is not schizophrenic. He wasn't saying, okay, this part's for everybody, but this part's just for the apostles. It's yeah. for every believer. Deborah, what do you have to say about that? Deborah? Who, me? Yeah, I didn't know you didn't say a name. <laughs> I did, but I think I brought um, up the name. What do you have to say about that? Oh, that's okay. Um, well, I, I'd say about that is, uh, well, just my thoughts on stuff with that prompts in me is, is uh, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a gift, and he's the third person of the, of the Godhead, and you know, a lot of people, when they think of the Holy Spirit, they think of a, of a prayer language, or they think of a dove, or they think of, uh, you know, things like that. And um, he's not a dove, and he's not a prayer language, and he's a person. You know, he's a third 
person of the Godhead of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and He He is ever living to make He. I mean, He just He's with us all the time. He He lives in us. He's a gift, and and uh, having His having the having our own personal prayer language is very very important, and it not only edifies us but it gives us you know it gives us direction. And with the Holy Spirit, you know, I mean, he, I don't know, he's just, he's our everything. He's our comforter, he's our intercessor, he's our advocate, and he's just awesome. I guess that's really all I had to say at that moment. <laughs> and, you know, Holy Spirit, Tony, anything more on that? Yeah, um, you know, something that we were saying, we're continuing talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, in Scripture it says right here, I mean, and and this is taking the word. You know, a lot of times Adam and Deborah, I, I believe, and we see it. I mean, come on. A lot of religions, it's basically, I'm the pastor. I'm going to read the Bible to you. I'm going to shake my milk bottle and feed it to you, change your diaper. You just come in every Sunday, and that's it. And that's the whole perspective of, when people say you see us holy rollers or laughing or any of this stuff, they say, whoa, this is not of God. Well, because we don't do it in our church. Well, it's not about what you do in your church. It's about what the Word of God says. Amen? And, um, you know, something awesome, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, I indeed, this is John the Baptist speaking, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to, to bear, he shall baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> Glory Come on, to God. Man. So I'm telling you, you someone see see you can tell a difference between someone who's that that's just a believer and then someone who's baptized as a disciple, someone who's baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. There's a great difference. You know, it's it's like uh having a, a, a Volkswagen Beetle versus a Corvette. You you can tell there's differences in person, you know. And the Holy Spirit is, is no respect of persons. It'll fill anybody. I mean, look at me. I mean, the crazy lifestyle, all the craziness that I went through and done, and God filled me with his Holy Spirit. And like I said, it's a lot of times the word of God is filtered through men, and, and, and it, it, it loses its, its potency. You know, it's, it's just like with food today. A lot of times uh, the, the amount of people that it has to process to, they, they add ingredients to it. To, to I guess to make it a, a greater quantity instead of having the organic rawness of of the actual food and it's the same thing with the word of God when you have the word of God the raw organic word of God there's power in the name of Jesus there's power come in the on now, there, there's power in the Holy Ghost come on there's there's mm. there's signs and wonders come on there's gifts of the Holy Spirit glory to God come on there's gifts of the Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. There's, there, there, there's the gift of faith. I mean, the, the wor- inner working of the Holy Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. Mm-hmm. And God has given us this, this, this precious manifestation, this third party that lives on the inside of us, that no longer that the Spirit of God dwells in tabernacles that are, that are constructed by the hands of man, but they literally, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit lives inside of us. So no longer are we, are we these weak men or are these... Uh, the timid people that we used to be are the people of fear. No, that's why we can rise up in boldness, and it's not us. It's the Holy Ghost Come inside on. of us. It's not It's not. we lay hands on the sick and it should cover. No, it's the name of Jesus. It's the Holy Ghost living inside of us that, that raises the dead, that heals the sick. 
And that's what I believe that's going to change. And that's what the the churches throughout the world, and there's Holy Ghost fire churches. There, there are people that believe in the baptism. But we got to get back to the raw power of God. Come on, guys. We, we yeah, as, a, as a body of Christ, we got to get back to the fire of God. John the Baptist said yeah. that Jesus would baptize us in the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on. we got to yeah. have the fire. The day of Pentecost, what happened? They were baptizing the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God came on the side of them, and what happened? The fire of God fell, and you saw the fruit of that. Jesus said, you know a tree by its fruit. If you're producing fruit, whatever tree it is, if the Holy Ghost is inside you, you will bear fruit. And that's, and that's the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. So I encourage everyone that's listening, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Listen, I got filled, I got filled in my room without even the evidence of speaking in tongues. I got filled in my room. Literally, a mighty rushing wind came in my room and filled me, and, and three months later I began to speak in tongues. I knew it was infilling of the Holy Ghost. But the manifestation took time. In itself, but I knew that night God came and filled me with his precious Holy Spirit. And ever since then, my life has changed. See, a lot of times, born-again believers that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what they struggle with all the time? They struggle with sin. You're trying to fight the devil by yourself. No, Jesus said he'll send the Holy Spirit, the one that will comfort you, the one that will teach you, the one that will protect you, the one that will guide you. Glory to God. And that's what we need to overcome the wickedness of the world, to be encouraging to us, to, to be a best friend where you don't have anybody. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is so important to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam, take it, man. Well, I'm, I'm just going to keep talking. Mm-hmm. i got to stop. Uh, no, it's good. Well, I, well, the only You're thing I awesome. Say, that's great stuff. No, it was great. The only thing I would say is that, um, you know, like Tony says, you know, the Holy Ghost touched him, and then he spoke in tongues. And, you know, I had a similar experience where God really, really touched my life. But, and it was it was honestly just lack of understanding that kept me from speaking in tongues. So I just want to say to anyone here, I mean, um, that speaking in tongues is not necessarily a timing thing. You know, it's just, it's like, I know people that are mm-hmm. like, have been Christians for 50 years and have spoken tongues and are still waiting on the timing of God. No. Um, it, it, all throughout the book of Acts, everyone that prayed for it, you know, that were, you know, that were led in it, they were, they received it instantly. And so, like, I really believe that if I had just had some understanding, had someone to teach me, you know, I could have spoken in tongues right there. But regardless, you know, speaking in tongues is for every believer. And like I said, what Tony was saying, that it's, it's about the fire of God. And what I want to say about, you know, the presence of God, the fire of God is that, you know, we have to get desperate and we have to get hungry. And we're probably going to end on this more that, and I'm going to give us one more chance to say something. But, Desperation and hunger is not something that God does in you. Desperation and hunger is something that you develop. Appetites are developed. Yeah. People that watch TV for four hours a day have developed that appetite. People mm. that eat six times a day have developed that appetite. So in the same way, the Bible says that the full soul will hate the honeycomb. What does that mean? Well, it's saying basically that if no matter what, you know, if you're really full, if you're really full of like food, and then you can, they, someone can offer you your favorite food. But you're just like, ugh, no, I'm good, I'm stuffed. So in the yeah. same way, if you're full mm-hmm. of things of the world, then you're not going to be hungry for the Word of God. You're not going to be hungry Jesus. for the Spirit of God. And the problem is the most Christians aren't really full. They're kind of like half and half. Mm. You know, and so, and so they're, they, they, they'll, they'll nibble on the Word of God, but, and they have a pick-and-choose mentality when it comes to things of God. Just like if you're kind of sort of hungry, You'll pick and choose what you can eat. But, man, if you're really hungry, someone can feed you the food you hate, but it's going to taste good to you because you're really hungry. Come on. 
So in the same way, right. you know, we, that's how we want to be. So how do we? So now we how do we get desperate for God? Well, the answer is is that you you put away the appetites of the world. If you realize you're not desperate for God, and you realize you're not just you're, you're not you're not crying out for the presence of God anymore. You know what? Turn off the TV. TV. Put away the movies. Put away these things. I've done it in my own life. Put away the movies. Put away everything yeah. and say, God, I'm going to get in your word, and I'm going to seek you till I find you, just like what we started this show with. If I seek you, I'll find you. If I search you, God, I'm going to, I'm going to come after you, and I'm going to build, and I'm going to get hungry in my spirit. I'm going to deny my flesh, and I'm going to get hungry for the things of the spirit, and I'm going to mm. feed on your word until I cry out after you like I used to, and, you're going to, and you come and touch me by your spirit. Um, you know, and that, that's actually what God did with Israel in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says that he caused them to hunger. He stripped them of everything but their basic necessities that they might know that man does not live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you want to get desperate for God, don't wait for God to do that for you. Strip yourself of everything that would, that would satisfy you and go after him with all your heart and say, God, if I, and I'm not going to give up God until I find you afresh. Don't go on some little retreat and some little fast and then go back to your old lifestyle. The, uh, um, the book of Joel, chapter 2, 12 and 13, in the Amplified says, Keep coming to me with fasting, with weeping and mourning and repentance until all fellowships have been restored and all hindrances have been removed. Deborah. Yes, you know, I was thinking about uh, all that made me think about um I was speaking with somebody earlier, uh, just to let you know, we got a little under five minutes before we go off the air, so I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, they were talking about, we were just talking, and, and we were talking about how in the Old Covenant, when the, in the tabernacle, how when the um, Ark of the Covenant was behind there, and the priest, you know, we, they had to go through the priest back then to even talk, you know, to even get even get in the presence, and then he had to be totally pure. And then when he went in in there, you know, and but when Jesus came, and and he died on the cross and he rose again. Oh, hallelujah! That that veil was torn from top to bottom, and the Holy Spirit came out to live and dwell in Jeez. human tabernacles. <laughs> hallelujah! <laughs> Thank Go you, on, Jesus. man. Oh, yeah. Boy, I tell you, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit to think that the God of <laughs> creation chooses to live in us. Woo, wow. I'm just so, so grateful for that. That just, <laughs> I feel this presence. Tony, you got anything to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, Adam, you're talking about getting hungry for God. and I just, I just want to say something real quick. The reality of a lot of a lot of things with people battling back and forth, all this is a lack. These are two things: lack of discipline and a lack of structure in their life. The military, the reason why they're so successful because they have discipline and they have a structure. You got to create a structure, not a religious structure. I'm talking about a tailor-made structure, you know, a tailor-made relationship between the Lord. But just like the, the old covenant, they had Ten Commandments. This is something that they looked at, they reminded themselves of. You know, they even the prayer salt, the different things that they did, they tied the Ten Commandments on their head. Why? Because they were trying to, you know, get a revelation, trying to get understanding, knowing this was guarding them, that this is the lifestyle they need to live. So I believe when a Christian who is born again, who begins to put discipline in their life and structure, there's there's no stopping you. And uh, that's one of the keys that I've that I placed in my life. I'm telling you, that it's phenomenal how the Holy Spirit will, will guide you through that. Amen. 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 Yeah, I mean, we kind of get an attitude uh, as Pentecostals, especially that uh, 
form and structure is not of God. It's like we just flow with the Holy Spirit, you know, like it's some kooky thing. But like what Tony's right. saying, it's like I've realized in my own life that I I've, I've, I need more form and structure. So it's like you know, I've, I've implemented some structure regarding my eating habits. I'm implementing structure regarding I'm building structure in my life. Why? Because I want to I want to fulfill the plan of God for my life and. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's and it's what he, and it's what he was saying. It was so impacted me when he was talking to me about that. Um, and so, hey, we're all growing, we're all changing. So, but it's like uh, discipline is not your enemy. Dis- discipline right. makes disciples. <laughs> and uh, so, let, let's let's all just put let's let's strip ourselves of the things of this world. You know, the early ch- the early church was noted by the fact that even worldly amusements that were not necessarily sinful were okay, they could do them. The Bible says that all things are okay, but not all things are beneficial. So yeah. it's like, so basically... I'm sorry, really Adam, we have a 90-second... Adam, okay. I'm sorry, so we have a 90-second... It was noted by the fact that they were so hungry for things God, it was just like, uh, it's like what the Bible says, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As we pursue him, those things just lose their, their hold. So if anyone else wants to say something, we're about to go off the air... Uh, anyone else before we go out there? Well, I guess just a quick, uh, just um, to, uh, for the listeners, just in case you didn't hear it before, you know, if nobody's, uh, if you just tuned in or if you'd like to rededicate your life, just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you are loved and you are valuable and you are precious. To God and thank you, Tony, uh, for joining us. I'm so glad that you called. Thank you guys for letting me come. I I have we had a great journey tonight on the Holy Ghost. Yeah, amen. amen. Praise God. Well, we got about 30 seconds. I guess we'll be signing off. And thanks everybody for joining. Thanks, Adam. Any last words, or I guess we're gonna go. God <laughs> uh, bless everyone. Uh, you know, church tomorrow. Press into the things Come of God. On. Let's get hungry okay. and desperate for Right. Amen. Revival.com. Amen. Revival.com. Watch the service on Revival.com. Amen. Bye. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Oh, hey. You're outside still? Yeah. Sorry. I had you because you were outside. I I know that you didn't see it. I had to interrupt because it was going to cut off any second. Okay. Is that powerful or what? I'm so glad that kid called him. Yeah. No. I'm going to go look at the stats right now.